Welcome to Voices in Health Law, the podcast of the American Bar Association Health Law Section. I'm your host, Jeff Worsberg with Norton Rose Fulbright, and my guest today is Matt Fisher, who's expertise in all things health tech and cyber and AI will make this a very interesting discussion. Welcome, Matt. Well, Jeff, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to actually be a guest on the podcast for once instead of just kind of playing the editor role. <laughs> well, really, uh, really glad to to have you today. And we're here to talk about your presentation upcoming at the Washington Health Law Summit, the 11th and 12th of December in Washington, D.C. And your session, which I'm really looking forward to, is AI and Healthcare, Parting the Mist to Get to Reality. Tell me a little bit about what we should expect here. So, Jeff, you're right. I'm looking forward to it, too, because, you know, artificial intelligence is obviously one of those topics that seems to be on every single headline for pretty much every industry out there. Um, but very much in particular for healthcare. So part of what we'll talk about is, you know, kind of level setting, what do we actually mean by AI? Because I think, you know, there's a lot of hype around it that might create false impressions. It's not going to be your kind of Terminator or style robot or the uh, computer from her, if you've seen either of those movies. You know, <laughs> when we're talking about AI, we're probably talking about right now, a tool that's going to help with kind of more administrative tasks and helping to remove some of those burdens around capturing documentation to some degree or mailing or you know just some of those kind of more rote manual tasks that do take up a lot of time and attention from folks in healthcare and divert it from what they want to be doing which is helping patients and improving outcomes so matt i think that's a great place for us to start because i'll be first to admit that sometimes what is ai is a little little blurry so can you Explain to our listeners kind of what is AI in basic terms and what is the potential benefit in healthcare? Yeah. So I will give the disclaimer that I'm a lawyer trying to explain this. I'm definitely not an actual engineer or technology person because, you know, I do know some engineers who kind of scoff a lot when they hear AI thrown around, especially in healthcare, you know, because it attaches to almost anything that you've got either an algorithm or some type of computer process built around it that creates automation or can help analyze and crunch through data to produce actionable information. You know, a lot of that would really be, again, like algorithmic based processes or procedures and not, you know, kind of that science fiction style definition of AI, which would be kind of a mimic to a human being. It's certainly like in the wild use cases in healthcare, that's not what we're talking about. Again, it's you know automation procedures, or it's being able to ingest large amounts of information, and then being able to produce not just actionable but verifiable outputs. You know, obviously, ChatGPT is a form of artificial intelligence or a style of AI tool that has garnered a lot of headlines. Uh, it does create a lot of novelty applications and does produce written output that can sound extremely convincing, but it's also been shown that it will lie and will not be accurate, not necessarily in healthcare, but there was an instance of the attorney in New York who maybe not in such a great move, used ChatGPT for a brief that then had false or fake citations in it that the court caught and resulted in sanctions from the court and a pretty harsh reprimand around the utilization. But the same thing can happen in healthcare. It's, you know, I have a friend who just on a lark, you know, and just to see what would happen, tried to use chat GPT for a, a syllabus for a graduate class in healthcare. And it created what looked like a great syllabus, but, you know, she was on top of it and went through and kind of site checked all the reference materials and half of them didn't exist. 
So it's, you have to be very careful when you're using tools like that. And that kind of starts getting us into the direction of what are some of the legal issues when we're thinking about utilization of AI. You know, so one is definitely accuracy and can you understand how it's creating that output? Because if you don't, how do you assign liability? Would you just say it's kind of strict product liability maybe, and you're going to try and push it up to the developer? Was there negligence on the part of the healthcare organization that tried to use it and relied on the information it got out of it. So kind of that is one aspect of what you're going to have to consider as you're using AI. On top of that, there's been a lot of stories of can AI provide clinical function or perform clinical roles? And there can be headlines of, oh, it, this tool was able to pass a medical certification board or this one didn't, and it can perform at a level equal to or better than a licensed physician. As you're going in that direction, another question is, you know, is it starting to practice medicine? Is it doing something where if you were a person, we would require a license? What if you have a machine-based tool doing the same thing? Are we going to want those to be licensed? Or is it some somehow some type of an extension of the existing professional who is licensed? <clears throat> Another kind of high-level thing that you're going to think about is what data are being used to train these tools because you can create, you can write the algorithm or algorithm or you can create the tool, but in isolation, it's not going to be able to do anything. The way all, all these tools work is they start taking in and iterating off of the data that they're using. So it's how good is the data that's going into it? Where is that data coming from? So it's, are you one, one issue on that front is, are you furthering bias within healthcare? Because, you know, I think has been well-proven. A lot of healthcare data is biased either through the reporting or what is not captured. And then another issue related to that is privacy. HIPAA is one of those laws that we all love, uh, at least on the legal side, we love it and we understand it. On the operational side, you hear a little bit more hate and a lot more <laughs> misunderstanding, but you do have to think about where is the data coming from? Are there appropriate relationships in place? Are you using de-identified information or using identifiable information and kind of all those attendant considerations that we go through in any other instance when we're using patient data? You, you mentioned the hallucinations. A colleague of mine and I were playing around the other day with an AI tool and we asked what the deadline was for motion to dismiss in the Northern District of Texas. And it actually got that wrong. So definitely AI still, still has some ways to go, but, but obviously a lot of potential here. With that in mind and thinking through, okay, how do we put some guardrails? Talk to us a little bit about where federal and state regulatory bodies can come in here and help out without inhibiting some of the advancements that could really benefit healthcare. Yeah. So I think one of the, the biggest ones that we'll touch on is, you know, the recent executive order that President Biden issued around AI. You know, that's obviously going, you know, there are a number of pieces in that that specifically relate to healthcare. Um, you know, HHS is directed to initiate studies and track certain things. So it's, I think, kind of the first step to start answering your question is there both the agencies, whether you're talking federal or state, as well as the industry itself need to get a better understanding of what it is that's happening. At the same time, you know, in my view, you want to then map it to what the existing laws are. And because what can happen a lot with technology and what is happening a lot with technology is there's just this knee-jerk reaction of the existing laws are inhibiting, kind of as you suggested, the further development, iteration, or deployment. Whereas I think if you actually take the time to really parse through and look at what the requirements are, there's still a lot that can be enabled. But that at the same time, that can then help identify where gaps do exist. 
and where you can make modifications or change the law or the regulations to put in hopefully appropriate protections that allow for that continued development, but do it in an environment that's going to be safe, whether we're talking about privacy of information or impact potential impacts on patient care, because you know there have been examples where certain algorithmic tools build in that implicit bias and recommend certain things because for better or for worse, most of the training data happened to be on white patients and couldn't account for differentiations for patients of different racial backgrounds, or maybe not fully algorithmic or, you know, kind of AI, but there's the recent finding around the pulse oximeters where it couldn't accurately record data from patients with darker skin tones. So we have to be very careful, both from the legal perspective and from the technology perspective of not continuing to advance those kind of disparities within what the tools are doing. And, you know, with, with that in mind, how will this change the practice of law and and practice of medicine from where you sit today. I mean, Westlaw didn't get rid of legal research, but it certainly changed the way it was done. Is is that kind of the same forecast? Yeah, no, I think that's probably a really good similarity or parallel to draw, which is these tools should be viewed as driving more efficiency and helping to extend the capabilities of individuals, whether, whether we're talking about healthcare lawyers or practicing clinicians or folks with, you know, administrative folks or operational folks within healthcare orgs. You know, we're really kind of the best use cases for AI or similar tools right now is going back to what I kind of said at the beginning, which is to help alleviate a lot of those manual burdens and to be able to help sort through the ever-increasing kind of reams of data that are coming through systems and helping really to distill it down, which then can pr- provide a better basis to make informed decision points from or informed analyses from. You know, so again, I think it really comes down to these tools should augment and increase the capabilities of what folks are able to do right now. And I think any argument that it's a, going to be a replacement is just going to drive unnecessary fear and also drive misplaced understanding around what the actual capabilities are and create you know, likely pushback against the deployment and utilization of these tools. Whereas if you get more realistic, then I think you can actually build more support and actually find current actual use cases that can prove beneficial. You know, Matt, I think of you synonymously with any sort of health tech and privacy issue. With with that in mind, what are you most excited about with regard to, to AI? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, kind of one of the things that has me excited is the fact that it's not necessarily clear where it's going to go. So I think kind of that unknown should spark innovation and spark curiosity around how you can take best advantage and find the best use case for these solutions. At the same time, I hope that also drives the desire to understand what the regulatory and legal environment is around it to inform how you can pursue those goals and those ideas. So to me, ideally, since we're at a stage where kind of everyone's operating on the same page, which is not a clear understanding of what the tools are necessarily, and not a clear picture of where they're going, we can all learn together. And that means we can help inform policy, to future policy together, and then also help guide development and hopefully use that experience to recognize address and overcome some of the challenges that healthcare has had in the past around some of those inequities and disparities. So I do see it as a, a big moment of opportunity for everyone connected uh, to what AI can do for healthcare from a legal, medical, and just broader industry perspective. So let's let's take the flip side of that, that coin. What are you most scared of? Do we all need to be watching T3 Rise of the Machines as a preview of what's to come? What, what should we be worried about? Yeah, I think 
I don't know if that scenario is necessarily the one we need to worry about, although there is a kernel of truth in there of what I think the concern is, which is rushing into deployment and utilization of tools without understanding what they're doing or what biases or blind spots that they're going to be carrying forward. Again, that's kind of thinking about, can we bring in as diverse data sets as possible to train the tools on? Can we train them in environments where we're able to provide checks and balances against what's happening? And can we then understand how it's coming to some of the the suggestions or analyses. Because there, there have been examples where, I think this was in a cardiac situation where the AI-based tool was coming to the correct diagnosis or predicting things correctly, but no one knew how it was doing it. And if it's just kind of this black box where kind of that somehow that right result gets spit out, that brings me all the way back to high school and remembering math class, which is something I try to black out since I'm a lawyer now and I try not to deal with numbers. But Thinking back to geometry where my teacher would be like, I don't care that you got the right result. You need to explain how you got there. And if you can't explain how you got there, then you wouldn't get all the credit for it. So it's kind of makes me think about what's happening now. There needs to be some type of an understanding of what's happening, because even if it's somehow getting to the right result, is there a flaw that's allowing it to get there that if it's allowed to propagate is going to create issues going forward? So you know, to get back to what your question was, that's kind of my fear is that we allow these tools to be created that no one knows how they operate. And then at some point, we're not going to be able to verify that they're they're providing assistance that is going to be in the best interest of what, what they're trying to do. So last last question, what are you most looking forward to about WHS? If someone is on the fence of whether or not to come, what should they know? So as the, only a second time attendee myself, I would say from my one experience, the sessions are really good. You, you bring in people from kind of across the... DC area. So you're getting really insider knowledge, I, I would say, around what's happening from a policy and regulatory front, which maybe you don't necessarily think that's helpful. But if you understand where the regulations might be going, you can help use that information to help and set business plans for your for your clients um, or your companies, depending on what your background might be. You know, so it is important to know where the law could be going. And then on top of that, as is always the case with any section conference, it's the ability to see friends or meet meet new folks who are attending and just create those uh, in-person connections. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise. Very much looking forward to your session at Washington Health Law Summit. Again, that's December 11th and 12th in Washington, D.C., and hope to see other listeners there. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thank you. And as you said, hope to see everyone there. And now, a word from our sponsors. The Health Law Section would like to thank our premier sponsors for making today's podcast possible. Five-star premier sponsor, AAA, four-star premier sponsors, BRG and BMG Health, and three-star premier sponsors, Pinnacle Health. Want more audio content from the ABA Health Law section? Listen to narrations of the section's publications by registering for the ABA Health Law audio app. The service is available for purchase to non-section members and free for all Health Law section members. Go to modiolegal.com slash subscribe slash ABA hyphen health hyphen lawyer to subscribe today.